When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 607 the swan song the final song of the regular fantasy fo- fantasy baseball season hey I, there's, football, there's football on tv oh, but yeah man. you guys know what's going on here fantasy baseball season i had to make one slip up just to make people you know keep them honest as i make fun of everyone switching to fantasy football as the season goes on and we stay strong the entire way through um in order to uh break down the guest final week streams kind of lessons learned from the year, and much, much more. I have two guests this week, two guests that have joined me throughout the entire season on uh, recapping fab and whatnot. And uh, we will start it off with the one that's been here most weeks. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Mike Curland, how are you doing, my friend? I am fantastic. Happy to be here, and we'll get to Ben shortly because me and Ben talk a lot. We DM all the time back and forth, but it's our first time actually being on a show together. So looking forward to it, and uh, always uh, – Bittersweet, you know how this is. I'm, I'm. It's a full sweat mode this week, though. So you've been on full sweat mode for a long time. Well, I have yeah. anxiety <laughs> problems, man. It's my first year playing. Okay, a lot of ups and downs and all arounds. All right. And he mentioned the other guest we have on the show. He's joined us a few times this year. It's been great getting to know him more and more. You can find him on Twitter at breakingben underscore t. Ben Tid, how we doing, my friend? Hey, Bob, I'm doing great. It's awesome to talk to you, Mike. Finally, like, like you alluded to, we've been talking throughout the season, trying to keep you sane and during your main event chase so uh it's it's good to finally uh talk to you the chase <laughs> the chase that died out for the overall but we're still working on winning that yeah. league so we'll take yeah. that yep Cur- curlin's trying to hang on ben's uh doing his thing we'll get to both of those as uh, we get through our kind of open discussion on the season here but uh first off thank you too for joining me most of the season i appreciate that that's been a big help on mondays um recapping the fab but let's talk lessons learned that's something curlin wanted to discuss last week and when we kind of uh, just went long on some other stuff as usual as we tend to do on this show and uh we saved it for this week so i'll give you the floor, floor curlin and it'll probably just lead to a discussion for all of us here at some point in time but i know you have fab lessons learned you have probably many lessons learned curlin so you could start the uh, discussion here for us well for me and that's why i'm actually glad you brought ted uh ted duh, duh, ben Tid. Yeah, is that worse than my <laughs> fantasy football slip? My goodness gracious! Well, I mean, you can I, spell I, Ted with my name, so I, I, yeah. And on top of that, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I, I misspelled a name today, but I made sure I had an accent on the other name in the same post. Really, really funny mix up there. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, I, I, and that's why I'm actually glad Ben's here because he's more experienced than me with main events and overall with these leagues. But uh, like my biggest thing was fab management. I've, I've harped on it a couple times on this show because I think the importance of it as we become more efficient in terms of player analysis, become, we become more efficient in terms of skill analysis and understanding roster construction. The next step is that understanding, truly mastering fab in terms of understanding how to best apply it for your own said team, not just going out there blindly utilizing it for this player, that player, et cetera, just because you want them or because they're running hot. Not every player fits your team's needs and understanding not only who to proper, how, who to put it on, but how much to spend and appropriately spend throughout the year. And like my biggest takeaway was like, I spent too much on streamers this year because I fell in lo- I found myself falling in love with players weekly because of like, oh, I see the upside for this player because of the, the matchups, the schedule, the recent hot streaks, and you kind of put it all together and you have this like ideal situation. And every so often it would hit, like you would have a guy like, like a burger like just fit this mold and then if you held on to him through that oblique which i did not you held on to a really strong solid foundational piece for a good part of the year whereas and you probably got and so it's one of those things where it's like you kind of have to bet on these guys in season and then just take it week by week from there some of these guys show true growth and all that but and that's a whole other part of the game but again i guess what i'm getting at is um i've already gone off on a tangent but like fab management was just the big one here and i'll let ben kind of go off on that one because maybe you could speak to that was a uh, something did you find yourself similar in the first year or two of playing in these leagues that fab was kind of the first thing like player analysis and all that kind of comes with just being around the game or if you're into projections that honestly plays a part but uh, i know you're a big projections guy so but fab management itself was kind of something that you can't plug into a projection so to speak you kind of have to find a feel for it and then on top of that you have to build off of what your league is doing and adapt to that rapidly in order to compete appropriately throughout the year yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's an, an exact science, and I know everyone's always trying to master it. Like, and it, it's you're always in, you're never going to be right on, like close to 100 percent of the time. So it's I know you want to be perfect with it, and it's, you're going to beat yourself up, but you really shouldn't. I mean, if you're I don't even know what a good average um, win should be. I, I remember uh, Rob, um, I forget his last name, but he was doing a lot of fab work with uh, runner-up bids and um, you know, McCabe. McCabe, right, I think. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's still been doing that thing, but that's good to look at. Um, but, yeah, so going, like, as you said, I've been in, like, this for a couple more years before you, but my first year was 2020, the shortened year, so I got a little skewed look at it the first year, and then that was just, like, a, a, like a satellite league. But then in the main event in 2021, I ran out of fab, kind of like how you did too. And so I I made a change to my process, at least for the fab. And um, I track every week what my average remaining bid is per week after the week's over. And um, that helped me a lot last year. And then I carried it over this year. And um, just having like some sort of management process is key to uh, making sure you don't run out. Um, I know some people talk about like a certain dollar amount for uh, mm-hmm. like when September comes. But for me... I found it was more, I, I didn't want to be that uh, specific because you never know what's going to happen. Who's going to get dropped. Who's going to be available. But uh, yeah, just trying to not wing it. I'm not saying you winged it at all, but just um, yeah. finding that some sort of management that uh, uh, works for you going into next season will, will be really helpful. And uh, for anyone else who's new to uh, NFBC fab, because I never played with a fab budget before joining the NFBC. So I had to learn um, on the fly like you have. So uh it's definitely challenging at first because you want all these players and you hear about all these players, but uh, when it comes down to it, you can't get everybody. So you also have to pick and choose between whether you have a need or you just want to upgrade. I, I tend to go more for the need than the upgrade. Like if you're uh, getting like a middle infielder called up 
if you have strong middle infield, then I probably just don't even worry about him for that team just to Can save we, the money. I want to build off the need versus upgrade discussion because uh, that was one thing the guilds, we all know how great the guilds is uh, as a player is. You can like them or dislike them, Dave. But um, okay. But in all seriousness, uh, but you're not. Guilt, well, no, I, I don't know. I honestly, I think they patched things up. So I'm just more so being snarky here. So Dave, if you hear this, I am just joking. Please don't get upset with me. And if you do get upset with me, I'm not sorry. That's your fault. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, though, in all seriousness, though, I'm obviously joking. But uh, back to the guilds, he actually was messaging me, and this is one of those things that kind of took away from him was uh. Because as a great of a player he is, you kind of listen to what these players have to say. You don't have to agree with everything. Because like I find myself disagreeing with Phil. Obviously, I'm probably wrong if he's top ten again this year. Son of a gun. But anyway, I find myself disagreeing with these players sometimes from here from time to time because I'm still trying to create my own process. You don't want to be a mirror image of somebody else unless you can find success with it, I guess. But I digress. Um, building off the need versus um, upgrade deal is. Like I thought I didn't need to upgrade pitching because I was like, oh, like I got such a strong starting pitching. I think we talked. I think I was talking to you about it. At points both of you guys obviously about my pitching and um, how good it started off and how great it was you know justin Steele was great gossman lazardo everybody was just crushing it and before you know it you know injuries start hitting piling up and luckily i didn't get too many on the pitching side but still it was one of those things it was a reminder his reminder was like look man it might be great now but don't just avoid somebody if you think you can get them at a decent value that because you don't quote unquote need them Look how fast my hitting went downhill. Like I was top 10 in the overall top 15, and then I lost those three bats. And because I may, maybe I, I didn't necessarily slack off on offense, but because I had McCormick, jo Nolan Jones, and other pieces uh, producing, I was able to at least not completely like lose my team because I lost three core parts of my offense. So it's one of those things where if you keep building through free agency and and just trying to make them because you're never really happy with your team. So obviously I agree. You definitely want to address needs first. But don't shy away from an upgrade because you don't know how that you don't know when that upgrade can turn into a core foundational piece because of injury. So it's one of those things where it's again, it's a, it's an exact science, but you can't just be like, I don't need him. Like I made that mistake of saying, oh, I don't need him because I because of X, Y and Z reasoning. And sometimes that worked out. but Sometimes it didn't like Matt McClain. Yeah, sure. He ended up getting injured, all that. But not going after him was a mistake because he went for a decent value my decent i guess the relative to the field in my league and having matt mcclain for the time he was up and producing that would have been huge to have especially now that like because i got at that point guys like matt chapman were slowing down and others so that need was there even though i didn't quite see it at the time i ended up getting worse yeah but trying to drop most. matt chapman was like one of the most probably oh, the most difficult things i'm to not do. saying so drop just because he's slowing down like you can't look at that well anymore. i'm not saying drop him but you could bench him that's what, that's what I was getting. Like you can yeah. bench him. And I was being pretty. I was honestly one thing. I, one thing I did take away was my ability to look past like the name and just guys been crap. Like, it, I might have taken even too long. Honestly, it might have been two or three weeks. But I got like Matt Chapman, where he was a middle round guy. He wasn't a top round guy. We know what he is. Um, I had no problem sitting him in tougher matchups or like three game weeks for a guy who might have four or like hey he's you know he's been kind of like I I kind of plugged him in and out of my lineup after a little bit. But yeah, that for that hot start, of course, I was I was plugged in, so I let him run a little bit after I, I, I ran with him probably for a full month after that hot month, and um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, but again, I wasn't like he wasn't a must start because of the hot month though. He just was a plug and play to see if he can get back going. He didn't, and Matt McClain came up probably towards the end of Matt, uh, towards when Matt Chapman was being so awful. So one of the things that what I'm getting at is I probably should have gone for McClain. Um, but I think it was one of those things where at that time I remember having just enough money for either McLean or Lewis. I chose Lewis, and I think ultimately you kind of was a win-win at that point. Lewis had that win-win. It was win-win if Lewis if stayed you, healthy, but if you helped Lewis better. though, yeah. Lewis yeah. was hard. That was a hard stash. It worked yeah, it out, was. but it it was. Was, how often? And we can talk about this a little bit. Was uh, 
is when like how do you feel about stashing because that's a whole nother discussion too but um well, at the end me, of the day let, let me comment on a few things yeah let you absolutely i was just uh, i just wanted to bring up but, the whole uh, like i just wanted to make sure and real quick to wrap up my, my point was um don't i i don't necessarily well i don't want to necessarily shy away from upgrading <laughs> after talking to the guilds about how and and having that experience of like how upgrading could have helped just being end up being a whole plug in general yeah you know I, i'm glad you brought the guilds thing up because that's one thing i wanted to mention is uh, and, and Ben mentioned some things too that there is no perfect science to any of this. Like we, every season, I think all of us can agree. We go back and look at what went right, what went wrong. Like I heard Jenny Butler on a show recently mentioned, she has a, a diary or a journal that she keeps of each fab period of why she spent the money she spent, how much was over. It's like, so she can keep track in her head of like the process she used and what happened. I think that's a great idea if you have the time to do it. I, I, I'd love to go back and wonder why in week four did I spend 25 bucks on so-and-so. That would make me feel a lot better when I have no money with two weeks to go. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here right now? But those little things that maybe you can work towards next year because kind of what you're hitting on is, you know, the, the, the needs versus the wants scenarios. And that's what makes it tricky because the guilds thing always sticks in my head is go get these guys because if you don't need them now, you'll probably need them. Event. Like, it's such a long season. You're going to need guys to fill in. That's simple. And this guy now might be better than any option when someone gets hurt type scenario. That makes a ton of sense. At the same time, I think something we've all been kind of infused into our brain is like the bottom of your roster should be to churn and burn. Okay, well, then how can you stash guys to churn and burn at the same time? That's when life gets real tricky. And that's when the science gets really difficult because you're sitting here going, wait, I'm stashing this guy. Because he's too good to drop, but I don't need him yet because let's just use the Matt Chapman example is hitting well. But at the same time, you know how good Matt McLean is. I'm not dropping him. Well, now what do you do for your churning and burning? That makes life difficult because you probably have other needs. And that's where I think the fab process for so many, I'll speak for myself, very difficult for me is, and we've talked about, especially because I play 12s, 15s, you guys have a whole different ball game where the, the options are different. In 12s, I always have options, like more <laughs> often than not, to do things. So the adding and dropping of players gets really complicated, like really complicated on what you're going to do. It also gets complicated and frustrating when you have so many $1 runner-up bids. That's annoying as well because you think you're going to get a guy, you think you're being cute and you're not even close to being cute. You're just, you know, ugly and it's, <laughs> it's no fun. So that's my long-winded way of saying there's no exact science, but it's something that like I know I've dealt with is, I've, I overbid too much, when, even when I think I'm not overbidding, and then I get the results, and it's still a massive overbid. That's really, really frustrating. So I need to work more on that science of it and the science of what does my team need besides just getting the shiny new toy? But differentiating as Curlin and you guys said is, like the Matt McLean shiny new toy might be much better than some other shiny. Like that whole differentiation of science, which I don't think anybody can know right out the gate, that's what I'd like to get better at. I don't know about you. Ben, do you have anything to say on this uh, jumbled mess of just kind of spitballing fab in our minds? And by the way, Ben, Yancey Eaton's in the chat saying he doesn't know who the cutest one is here, but Ted's pretty handsome, so don't sleep on him. That is Yancey's <laughs> words. Thanks, Don't so sleep would... on him, but you can sell on his face, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is an afternoon show today. Keep it easy. <sighs> sorry. So, okay. Sorry. Ben, Ben, Fab, what do you got? <laughs> oh, I want to say about like with you speaking, I feel like it was like a presidential debate and you're the moderator almost. That's how it was going for a <laughs> while. Just, this is how it is with, with Curlin. You got to like rein things back in for a second, remind people what the actual topic is and go to the next step. That's kind of how we do things here. Yeah, but the one thing I'll add to that is um, 
I think I mentioned that before on, on here with you, Bubba, but uh, back when all the starters were getting called up every week, um, I made the decision to go after Logan Allen and Braxton Garrett because I needed multiple starters at the time, as opposed to I think Bybee may have gotten called at the same time. So, like, you have to make those decisions as well. Okay, like, Bybee had the much better year than – well, actually, that's the battle because Braxton did really well because yeah. he was available at the same time. And I remember I was on one when I was, like, gushing over Braxton that one week. But, um, but I mean – for Allen though, like his ERA was solid. Like if you picked the spots, the whip was hurt a little bit, but it wasn't huge volume. I, I know Mike had Allen too. It's, it, I had him on like three teams. It was a, it was a roller coaster. But um, this like those decisions though to go for the two that added up to the one helped me out where I did that. So it's it's all like people always use the con the cop out for it's team dependent. It is, but you have to be aware of the different scenarios that you may come across throughout the season, whether it's like the McLean example or. If you're and like players kind of belong in brackets almost like there's certain levels of players where they're going to upgrade over another player. But like if you're talking about McLean and Lewis, like Curlin was, if you needed the steals maybe for a McLean, then I can see that being a mistake. But I think Royce had steals potential as well. So it's not it's one of those things where it's just kind of like the luck of the draw. But it, it comes down to like who the players are in the end and then like to your point, Bob, about churning and burning, like if you have seven guys on your bench, you have two injured and then five, like three starters, and then your two backup hitters are solid, then it has to be a good upgrade. Like, because, because to like having the Curlin, if he uses his fat to get a big upgrade, that may not really help his team as much as holding out that fab for September when you lose young Chapman. And they're half half your hitters, <laughs> like you did. Um, it's my batting average it. tank. It's, like it's just an points. it's just an example, guys. This didn't happen in real life or anything. Just an my example. batting average. <laughs> my batting example. average. My batting average tanked eight points. And honestly, if I had managed my fab a little better, and it wasn't actually the going after the big names because I didn't go after the big names. No, you didn't. You, you I, I kind of stayed. Calm. I kind of stayed in the middle grounds. Like Logan Allen. You mentioned Logan Allen. I hit on Braxton Garrett well, for like twenty bucks. Let, let's two. think. Let's think about this out loud, though. What if you went after like two big name so you couldn't kind of cherry pick the middle i wonder how things would have finished that well I, where where i screwed up and that's why i'm so hell-bent on keeping to a certain price on streamers from day one next week next year was because i spent like 19 to 4 on some crappy names i spent like 19 to 2 and i remember one of them was jake bowers because i was so enamored by this you know the short porch no, we talked about they had all the all the righties for the weeks and stuff yeah so it was like, down oh yeah, yeah he, he so playing time was there <laughs> batting, paper, like, it was like it was like leading off so I was super excited it was like 19 to 2 but nolan jones was another guy that i spent it was like 19 to 4 and i was and i was I like take okay. a drink everybody nolan jones was mentioned in the first 20 minutes of the show well that's 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 our that's our guy <laughs> that's, that's one thing we got right we got one thing right it's nolan jones and um, but uh but one of those things where it's like you know i got mccormick for cheap so it's like i hit on guys and it was um but it was aggravating because i don't even know how where do, how do we get this point oh fat man this, so, this is what you do um so it's just real quick <laughs> but the fact thing so it wasn't it wasn't the yeah. it wasn't the middle ground bidding it was the overbidding on streamers all year long and That's then good, and yeah. then and then towards the end because of the injuries i started taking shots on guys like westberg guys like Hauser when I didn't have much fab left and I won them, I won them very cheap. I got them for a good price based on market value, but it wasn't ended up being not a good price because my team ended up not wasn't getting, it, they ended wasn't, 
need as much as it they, was just, they didn't they didn't hit they didn't you hit just thought you well. needed the splash because of the injuries you had let i was trying of. to make up for production and instead of going with my strength of streaming hitters i went with the let's take a shot on the upside and the upside cost me more money than i should have spent and that's where i think ultimately even so even beyond just spending too much early on on some streamers it was how i attacked at the end trying to make the splash splash play versus being smarter about it and and, I th- and this was right after you know all the success of the young guys coming up seeing jordan westbrook come up i had no i, I still don't understand why he's platooning with ramon urias urias has been awful so west westbrook they're, they, they're gonna win the al east so they don't care about our fans exactly teams. and the west <laughs> honestly this goes to remind you of like why I, you know i have a running list of like probably 40 names to see where the price is in early adp and jordan yeah, westbrook, already I'll, I'll tell you list, westbrook though. westbrook's on that list because i think westbrook enters next year as a full-time player and westbrook is a full-time player with his skill set becomes way more intriguing so it's one of those things that um and I hate to get and one thing I've realized I don't like giving out all of my like thoughts. I know yeah. I'm not alone in this. I know other people have these lists, other people have these names, but I don't I don't know. I'm, the more I turn into a player, the less I want to give out my analysis. It's really 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 a crappy fine line to give. We, to before play. we go too far down a different path, which is a good path, but I want to re go back to Ben for a second here. Since Ben's a, a you're a big projection guy compared to like I'm just like a dumb caveman like we talked about. So we're the Me two op, we're the two opposites of things. And uh Carlin, you you've become much different of late in a good I'm way. Like, the, you really have. Um, but I want to ask Ben because we know when people do their fab processes, you know, you got the robot and like the Tobies of the world, they'll put the projections in and they'll get like rest, they'll use rest of season projections and they'll kind of see like wh- who they want to go for and whatnot. You might do the same thing because that seems like a common philosophy for projection people. What I want to ask you though, in a year with so many first timers where projection systems are not kind to most of them, how did that affect you when it came to your fab bidding? If you used a system like that, you mean like with the with the rookies getting called up? Yeah, because like rest of season projections for a rookie, because like even like if we get 2024 steamer projections for rookies, they usually suck. So in season, rest of season is really not good. So how 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 did that maybe affect your fab process that you were going through? So I'm probably a little bit of a unicorn when it comes to this. So I don't look at the in season projections because so you're definitely different. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, like so, so I you're I, one of I, us. One of us. Just kidding. It's how I fit in. Yeah. And so I, I use them. I use them all in in the prep for the draft because it's okay. like. Because you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know who's going to get hurt. You you need like that those team um, baselines, like there's the skill level. That's what they're valuable for when you're doing your draft prep and your drafting. Um, and also along those, so I also don't go after the the rookie hitters. Look at look at Matt Mervis, look at um, Vientos, look at Beatty. They all probably were way overbid on, um, and uh, they got sent back down or they didn't play. They, they, they did poorly. I only went after the rookie pitchers. Um, I went like Allen. I went after. Um, he was the he was the one I chose to spend on because he was going to be the cheapest. But like I would have been in on Bradley, all of them, um, because I feel like the pitcher skill set is easier to translate when you get called up right away. Because you like with Bybee, he ended up being like a I don't know a top thirty starter probably. Yep. And um, the only hitter that was kind of like that, uh, well, McLean would have been better if he didn't get hurt. Um, I, I I'm sure there's maybe somebody else, but it's a lot more misses I feel like with hitters. So I go off of like their minor league numbers, see okay what's our walk rate like like um were they successful because you, you have guys get called up with a four ERA and it's like well that's not too promising if you want them to perform well in the majors if they're doing that triple A so it's yeah so I, I go off of the playing I remember hearing Ryan um, Bloomfield mention this with you on Thursday about how he looks at the last two weeks of plate appearances for hitters mm-hmm. I do the same thing I want to see who's playing um then I I know most of the players why well, I, I know like are they actually good are they just hot is it a rookie I can kind of like 
pick apart who's like for real almost in my mind. And then that's how I go from there. Um, so it's my in-season process is a little bit more like yours, Bubba, I think, but my preseason process is more yeah. projections focused. That's where DFS helps me so much. It keep, lets me know who's playing well, where they're playing in the lineups, things like that. So I feel like I have a little bit of an early advantage there. But Curlin, you were um, you you were kind of going down another road about um, you know, overbidding and, and and whatnot. Where 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 would you like to go on lessons learned? That I think we kind of just rounded off that a little bit there. But I know there's always so much because we've discussed it. Is there more in season management we should discuss? Uh, I don't think we need to go back to the beginning of the year just yet on draft day because like we could all look at draft mistakes, but um, our draft prep, which will obviously be a 2024 thing as well. But is there anything else in season? Because Fab is the easy one we can all talk about. Like we overspent here; these guys didn't work. Like there's so many lay. There's 27 or weeks, 26, 27 weeks of Fab. Like there's a lot of mistakes to be made with a thousand dollar budget. I think we can all say we made plenty. That's just the, the brass tax of it. But is there anything else in season, Curland? Um, I know I'm not the best at. There's certain people that they're great players, and I, I remember I made this joke leaving FPAS last year in one of the conferences that Steve Weimer uh, talked about, about you know he sets his lineups here and does all this. I'm like, Bloomfield and I left and goes, oh, we're never going to be the best players in the world because we don't have the time to do this like these guys do. Um, these guys are up to locks on uh, Mondays and Fridays, like checking lineups, doing all these things. I know I've missed things throughout the year. What kind of things would you like to discuss, Curl, on this floor is yours? Well, that is something I try to make a point to do. Unless I'm busy at work, I usually have time to do that. So I make sure I optimize my lineup as much as possible. I think lineup optimization is a big deal, especially in especially the deeper the format you go. Not necessarily 12s too, though, because you 12s, everyone's well, a huge so, difference. I would say you're stacking yeah. 12s, 15s, you're not a stack, but like a, a way to help stand apart, stand, get a help stand i guess stand apart is the, i don't know the, the term I'm looking for it doesn't matter <laughs> the the one the one way to stand out yourself. stand out i guess the differentiator in 15s are played appearances i remember somehow like early on when i was having success wait real success. quick i'm just gonna stop that right there this is a discussion i had with someone recently on played appearances um it's my same philosophy on innings pitch now yes i agree the concept of played appearances for counting stats i agree with that wholeheartedly but are we in a world where we're saying that I, I guess if you combine the players, the replacement level, because my point is people want to draft guys that are going to get ultimate playing time. But say you have like, remember the discussion we played Josh Naylor that week where he faced a couple lefties, but we played Josh Naylor. I think that worked out pretty well, but on paper, that would have been a sit for so many people. He so, was a uh, sit for a lot of people. So, but my, that's my point. So are we still so hardcore steadfast and you have to lock in only players that are guaranteed all these at-bats? So that's what I was going to get at was quality versus quantity. I'm realizing. Sorry, I cut you off. It must sting a little bit to go the other way. No, that's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Tastes right? of so, medicine. Yeah. Tastes great. I don't mind. <laughs> Give me more, Daddy. Anyway, um, quality versus quantity. <laughs> both these guys, for those listening, both these guys are shaking their head. It's amazing. Uh, quality versus quantity was kind of where I was, my head was at because I'm realizing, especially when you get into the deeper part of the year, when you know, there's less available because of injuries. And as teams bring players up, more platoons start occurring. And then you have teams just platooning in general. Like, I'm and often it's like six games in a week. Monday through Thursday lineups are two lefties or two righties and a lefty. And then the Friday through Sunday is also two righties and a lefty. So you're not getting the – it's rare to find a guy off the waiver wire that's not a platoon bat, it feels like, right, in deeper formats anyway. So – are we why are we so and then on top of that players get so much rest the three the guy getting two games 
is not more is, is almost as likely to get as many play appearances as the guy getting with a three game slate because there's a good chance that guy that guy rests one out of three. So it's almost like the the whole idea of targeting play appearances. It's still something I feel like you should do and should be a tiebreaker between a player or two. But if you have like a, a two game series in cores from a guy who's batting third in the lineup or a three game series from a guy batting eighth, and maybe like there's a 50 50 shot they sit one of those three games. Do you really not just target the guy with a, with a, with a three spot in cores for that two? You know what I mean. So I feel like it's very selective, and I'm and I'm not necessarily shying away from the two the two two game schedule from players I know are going to play both compared to the guys that might play two out of might play three but likely to play two out of three with mm-hmm. a place farther down in the lineup because they're already a fringe player for that team. So that's one of those things where it's kind of tough to balance. Like I find myself, Chaz McCormick was a great example of this of a guy that wasn't getting regular run but on a per plate appearance. Uh, um, uh, just approach or t- statistical output, he was crushing it. So I, I wasn't sitting him while he was getting like four out of six or three out of five because you were missing a lot of good production. So he was a guy that I looked at like I'm taking the I'm gonna just hope to fill in the blanks with the rest of my roster. Maybe stream play appearances a different way to make up for the lack of playing time McCormick is getting. So there is I feel like there's a way to kind of balance that quality versus quantity. But at the end of the day, I'm also not. I've just realized at least for me this year. I still want to target play appearances where I can, but I want them to be as quality as possible. So I'm not going to shy away from the guy with less games unless I truly believe it's going to be like, hey, this guy is playing three, this guy is playing two. I want the quantity every time in that situation. Like I'd say 99% of the time, but I don't know. I just feel like with the game changing, players plugged in and out so often that we we have to be more open and willing to play our guys, our good players, like a Lourdes Gurriel with a two-game slate with a good matchup versus a, and I say him cause he's kind of a fringe good player. He's not like a must start good player, but he's a fringe good player, but you know, you're getting those two games, right? Whereas what about um, Massey? Massey's going to get three games. Oh, but there's a lefty. So he's likely sitting just because he has three games. You're not going to start him because he's likely playing two. Why would you start the guy with two games with the potential for pinch hitting the third over a guy who has maybe better matchups or just a better producing guy who's guaranteed to play those two games. So that's where it's like quantity versus quality. I kind of wanted to bring that up just because I think, again, it's a fine line. There's not an exact science to it. And then if you're a numbers guy, you want to go with the guy who's getting more play appearances because that's more opportunity for production, et cetera. But it's not, I don't, I don't think it's so cut and dry anymore because of how teams are managing their players. That's why I wanted to mention that because, and this is no disrespect to you, because there's a reason why Weimer and the robot and all these guys are still towards the top. Like it's simple. It works. It works if it's done right. If it's he done is doing right. it right. Yeah. If he is doing it right. Those guys are know, amazing. Yeah. And I, I know I don't have the time to, to sit there and watch oh, lineups do. like they do. Um, <laughs> so I, I go more with quality over quantity more often than not. And we see how it goes. Like this week was a perfect example before Lubov went on the IL, he had a two game week. Uh, and you had other guys like Randy Rosarena had two games. Well, he's not starting on Tuesday. He's out. Things like that. Ben, how do you go about this quantity quality thing? Because honestly, like there is no right or wrong answer, I think, because in the end, it's just like your guy's got to perform. That's the bottom line of the situation. But the whole idea is setting yourself up for the best success you think you can have. Yeah, absolutely. So it starts with your draft, because one thing when you're drafting players is looking to see where they're projected to hit in the lineup, because you want guys probably in the top five at as many positions as possible. Um, and when you play in the 15, like Mike and I do, it, it's, it gets really hard to find those guys later in your drafts. And 20, last year, in my, when I had success in the main event, I had Christian Walker and Roddy Cleslie, and they ended up batting fourth for their lineups. And I got a huge power temp or production from them. Um, just two examples off the top of my head. Um, but so like for my one main event this year, as an example, I had TJ Friedel and Josh Lowe. I'm looking – 
their averages on my bench, Josh Lowe is like 400 on my bench, 100 plate appearances. Friedel is like three something and maybe 40 or 60. I, I just looked. Um, but that's a result of them being uh, platoon players. So I've complained. I forget to who. But like late in the season, Josh Lowe was playing against lefties out of nowhere. And I was sitting him and he was going off. And it was just like, okay, I need that average. I need those runs. Those, um, I mean, the stolen bases, the homers. And it's tough because to Mike's point, a lot of, a lot more players now are in that situation. Um, hopefully next year he'll be full-time because I think he may have shown the race. Okay. He has the potential to be a full-time player. Um, I remember talking about Friedel. He has reverse. He has, he's fine, but he has a re- reverse split. He was better le- in lefties against lefties to start the season. I'm like, okay, well, why are you sitting against lefties? It makes no sense. Um, but in, in season, like I, I try to lean towards the, the better player if i'm looking to add somebody i do go through and look at the four game uh the teams of four games monday through thursday and i prioritize those teams when i look i'm looking for a uh, fab ads just because i'd rather have four games of someone who's playing every day but if it's like and to mike's point when you're setting your lineups you have to make sure you look at lefty righties the nfbc is good about doing that because you can look at the the entire week's uh stars against your batter and then i've been c- combining that now with uh fan graphs the ro- roster resource page where they show um, what the player has done the last six or so, seven days, like when they've started, when they've sat. I know like you guys, have, like Mike does it himself. He's got his own thing that he tracks. Um, I think Rotowire does the same thing. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's especially in 15, it starts out on the draft, like being mindful of like the tools that Mike uses, like the, the, um, the spring training tracker, um, roster resource, seeing where players are projected to hit. And um like when you're in the middle of the season, you want to see all your guys when the numbers pop up on NFBC. You want to see ones, twos, threes, fours, fives next to all your players because that way you're getting your plate appearances that are going to be quality at the same time. Um, so it's it's you have to be mindful when you're drafting and you're doing your prep, and then you just have to carry it through um, as the season goes on. No, it's a great great point there, Curlin. Do you have anything to add to that? I love a lineup analysis. Are you kidding me? That's that's my whole thing. Yeah. No, and and that's but that's made me realize my strengths. And I think we need. I the problem is is you need to play first to really figure out where your strengths and weaknesses lie in analysis and and um and overall just like managing a team, whatever it might be. And I realized, for instance, my strength was streaming hitters. I happen to draft. I don't. I honestly don't expect to ever have a draft like this ever again unfortunately i'm hoping to repeat this but looking back at this draft i draft i mean pepio if only he stayed healthy i drafted will benson the guy like, these are like last five rounds and um it's one of those things where it's like if these guys are healthy how much better could my team have been i drafted jd davis and dropped him like an idiot because i was just he was my final round pick and you kind of work backwards so I, dro- I dropped him week one like after a three-day week for someone else because so I, I was streaming that spot wish i held on to him so it's one of those things where it's like it starts at the draft obviously and I just wonder if I don't hit on pitchers again like that, will I be as good on the waiver? Because I realized my waiver wire hit ads this week for uh, this year for pitchers weren't the best. I loved Varland and the upside's still there, but I was wrong. He was ended up being not great. Um, ba- Braxton Garrett was great. That's been I added him week two, and he's been a starter pretty much ever since. But I mean, how often are you going to draft Bayo, Sonny Gray, Lazardo, Gosman? Uh, and this is all the same team, obviously. Steel. It's ridiculous. Like I hit on so many, so it's like that allowed me to be super like turn and burn with the pitchers uh, with the hitters. But so it's like I'm 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 thinking my strengths is streaming hitters. So obviously I'm just gonna go back towards picking pitching early. But on top of that, I didn't my pitching early didn't work out for me because I had Woodruff who was out for like two thirds of the year or almost almost what three quarters of the year probably. Um, Darvish was awful and they got injured. So and these were two of my top five picks. So 
if I can hit on those, which I sh- you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be hitting on the top picks more than the bottom picks, right? So if you hit on more, of the, if I can hit on those guys and if, and not depend on those late round uh, pitchers, maybe I'll be f- just fine in the pitching side of things. But that's why. But I also made a point to strengthen my pitching analysis, so I think I'll be better going into next year. But like you said, um, I do think it does start the draft, and it starts with um, knowing your strengths as a player, which unfortunately takes playing to learn that. And if you can formulate your draft plan around knowing what you can kind of attack in season to best benefit your team and best, you know, kind of give you that edge. That's what you should do in terms of start. And that's kind of where I've, that's what I've made a, a real big focus on throughout the year was realizing what my strengths truly are, which makes sense because the content I provide kind of leans right into streaming hitting. So if I can, I feel confident in finding a streamer hitter or two every week, maybe I go that much heavier on pitching early and that's kind of where my head's at right now. I'll, I'll probably build out a few teams in uh, DCs and stuff like that to see if I can really bank on that. And then, But then Fab Leagues are different. So I'm thinking if I do two main events this year, which I'm looking like it depends on how I finish. But if I can do two mains, I'm probably going to build them differently just to not have too much carryover. Some of the same targets in late rounds because late round targets should always be the same. But maybe look for two different roster constructions. Maybe lean more on my hitting streaming side on one of them and maybe be a little more balanced or even more a little more balanced in the second one type of thing and just see if I can – pick the pitchers off the waiver wire as well uh, better next year too. So I don't know. We'll see. Then when looking back, what would you have done differently? Do you think like there's probably a lot of things, but is there anything that stands out? Cause Curlin's kind of hit on a few things, obviously with his, you know, fab this and, and, and whatnot, anything that stood out to you throughout your, your season? No, but one thing I did have queued up for whenever I came back on was uh, the draft process i guess or review and um i think i did everything fab wise in season as best as i could um because i I, like i met i don't know if i mentioned when we started recording but the team where i punted um saves in the main event it's now in fifth place it was like at 12th at one point so i worked hard to get it back up it's not gonna cash i don't think because i it's like 100 i'm like 20 points behind third place but just to get it back to where it was i'm pretty proud of um i mean i would have liked the cash obviously but different story but to go along with that, though, I missed out on steals for both main events. Um, I think it was mainly because I didn't know what to expect with the rule changes. So I, I can't really get down on myself for that because I still like if I were to plug all my, my the people I drafted back into my uh, ranking spreadsheet that I use when I draft. Um, I was projected for a decent number of steals, but I didn't draft the players that hit off with the with the rules. So. Like with my one main event, I drafted Kyle Tucker first, but then I went three pitchers and I drafted Schwarber and Adamas. And I thought Schwarber would, he sold 10 bases last yeah. year. I'm like, okay, well, he's not the fastest guy, but look at um, uh, Freddie Freeman. He's not the fastest guy either, but he Freeman. can steal somebody. Okay, well, maybe Schwarber will stay at 10 or like give me some. And then Willie Adamas had a really down year. Um, I was banking on him on a lot of teams. Uh, so it's just, this is going back to like, now as we're going to like draft philosophy, but uh, just getting back to where I, I think what I did in 2022 is what I want to try to go back to next year. And that I didn't, that was a problem for me going this year. Like, I don't want to recreate what I did last year in the main event because it worked for me last year. I wanted to try to go with a fresh slate and see what based on ADP and what everyone else was doing, like how I wanted to, I don't want to copy everybody else, but I wanted to like see how I could work around what others were thinking about doing. And uh, I think I'm, may want to go back to even more hitter than I did. Like my plan this year was mostly going like two, two starters. I mean, I'm two, two hitters to start all my drafts for the most part. I did that on the majority in this main event, particularly I just went Tucker and then I went the three, 
pitchers. So I think, and also like if listeners listen to CBS or um, I know Paul Spore mentioned it before in the past with, with the the glob, like I kind of made fun of it too, but it's true because like even going back to your draft bubble with um, Rob DiPietro, I, I, I was in there and I was noting how everyone was waiting on starters and, then people, well, of course, in the main event next year, come springtime, they're going to get pushed up. But is it going to be worth it though? Because it's it's you're going to see that yellow on your draft board, but is it mm-hmm. worth it? So I think with the way the hitting is, and so like I was short in steals on both main events this year, um, and as a result of not going hitting early, um, my average of my one suffered because I just was my second hitter and Adamas they hit like maybe two hundred combined. Dude, <laughs> so Adamus like, has been our. We've been crying about him all season together I in know. our DMs. Like I'm looking at my board. I'm I have him on four of my seven NFBC Fab teams. Or four I loved seven. him at cost. I thought he was a great, and he started off so strong. And then looking at the underlying numbers, I can't really find a true reason why it sank. It's it's been so hard each week. Like, do I keep him in the lineup? Do I take him out? Do I keep him in? Because the week you take him out is when he goes and it's like three home runs. He's done this. He's done this a few times. Then you put him back in. He does nothing for three weeks. And he's the most polarizing player. But he goes back into my point about not trying to copy last year because I had him on my main event last year and I I got him at a similar cost this year. So I'm like, well, he didn't really get bumped up that much in his ADP. So I'm like, I still was a fan of what he did last year. I mean, the reason why I I took him last year, I I went into the skills. So it's just finding that, I mean, Mike, you're going to have this too because you just mentioned how you drafted your best hitting team ever. And like your pitching was awesome too. Like when you go to draft next year, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for you to not want to repeat that. Cause I mean, it worked for you um, pretty well this well, year. I like got, my like, with I li- injuries. I just like, yeah, I liked my strategy in terms of team build and roster construction. So I, I feel like I want to follow that same roster construction, at least one of my, and that's why I want two teams. Cause I want one team to be a very similar approach in roster construction, but then I want to be able to also like have a second one where I kind of change things up and tinker based on what I learned and see if I can take advantage of what I think is a strength of mine as a player. So I'm not going to completely, I think that's why having two the luxury of being able to play two benefits, you know, someone like me where it's like, okay, I think I found success, but how do, how do I know without duplicating it? Right. Or how, without attempting to duplicate that success. So, and if I look at my draft, it was ridiculous. Like you said, I, I hit on Josh young, um, (laughs) India nailer late, I I, well, that's I, the key, I like you said I was I wasn't missing yeah. <laughs> I wasn't missing the middle rounds and I built and I built off uh, having Acuna was a cheat code obviously but having Acuna and that's how you win and overall you have to win that's you have to run pure if I didn't yeah. run into those injuries I added McCormick I added Nolan Jones I added all the supplemental pieces that you need to make a team complete to where there was times where I didn't I, I set my lineup and forget you know how rare it is to set and forget a lineup in 15s. There was like a three or four week period where I was just sitting and forgetting. That's why I was top 10. That's why I hit number one at one point in the year because my team was that elite. And then injuries decimated it and I mismanaged it partially in fab, partially picked the wrong streamers. Um, injuries, obviously, everyone wants their injuries. So I didn't manage it as well as I should have. And that's where the being a rookie player and being a, and not having that experience set me back. And I think, uh, honestly, a better player or somebody with more seasoning so to speak probably would have still been able to at least stay like i, I crept back into the top 40 i was like top 33 for 34 at one point last week or two weeks ago and my team has since fallen back down because again i lost Royce lewis now too just to add you know the second injury this year to him but this one of those things where oh, i think had i had some experience i don't i think i would have taken full advantage of what i built this year whereas me not having that experience kind of is why i have struggled down this like, struggled to like 
Like I should, like I could still pull out the win and all that, but this is still a team that with how good it was for what 60% of the year, I should still be fighting for a bonus cash spot. You know what I mean? I shouldn't be fighting for, I shouldn't be fighting for my league. I should be fighting for a bonus cash spot. And yeah, for sure. Um, going back to what Ben was talking about though, um, about like the draft process wise, that's part of the reason why even in that Rob Pietro and Ben, I went three hitters and then went pitching. Um, and I started doing that this past year. I, I, I started looking at it more of, okay, I don't need pocket aces. I don't need whatever. I just want two really good pitchers through round five, however that falls. That's what I want because I want to stack up the bats as best I can because, yes, there are a lot of bats out there, but the elite bats compared to what drops off, it seems like you have more, quote, unquote, potentially elite pitchers, the glob, as you speak of, that uh, that's kind of what I noticed last year, and I kind of tried to do that, and it worked out pretty well for the most part. And just looking back at the first seven rounds and look at the board and tons of starting pitching from round three on. So if you went hitter early, and then obviously this is one draft, a lot can change. But come come March for main events, it will change. But you'll still have a pretty healthy glob. Like there's there's no doubting that. So you can still uh, get your your hitters. But like I went in and got at least three straight guys that are projected for 20-plus, maybe 30-plus stolen bases. That kind of just helps me sleep better at night. Uh, I remember this past year I wanted to make sure um, power has always been an issue for me. So Alonzo, Olsen, um, some of those type guys, I was always making a point like I want one of these guys. Like that was kind of a thing of mine. Worked out pretty darn good this year. Well, that, But then to your point, do I want to duplicate that next year? That's the million-dollar question because Olsen will cost a lot more than he did last year and, and stuff like that. Maybe next year I go Vlad if he falls somewhere at around three, which would be a miracle. But um, there, there's, there's discussion on that already. That's a whole other podcast, probably. But I, I agree with what you're saying. It's uh, the draft. Like the draft is fun. Everybody loves the draft, but you can lose your league real quick if you screw up the draft type scenario. You don't even know it right away. That's the thing. You don't even know it right away, but you put yourself behind the eight ball, thinking things are good, and then it unravels quickly. And then trying to adjust it is always difficult. Because like Willie Adamas, the example you gave is. None of us were dropping Willie Adamas after one month. None of us were dropping him after two months. We all kept holding hope he was coming back. And in reality, looking back, we all should have dropped him probably like after the first month of the season. And none of us did. Um, and that that's kind of the, the, the tough part about the whole deal. And again, to the very beginning of our discussion, there's no rhyme or reason to a lot of this. It's just pure live and learn for the most part. But uh, any final thoughts on lessons learned? I think we could probably go down this diatribe a lot, but I'd like to give a few minutes to streaming stuff. So Ben, do you have anything else you'd like to mention? If you do, we can keep going. No, it, it, it can wait till the off season. I think we did a good job covering a lot of it today. Curling, anything else? I know you can talk forever. I'll let, I'll let Ben lead the way on this one. Cause as much as like, I can keep talking in circles for the next 30 minutes about the same stuff. We, we, we have, we have about four months to do that. in. so exactly. Plenty, so that's why I'm like, one thing, one thing I have to mention because you just this show Olsen. does not take off like other ones. Just throwing that out there, we got yes. you year round. <laughs> yes, and I will gladly be a part of this year round because it's fun for me to talk about this stuff. So I, I, all this stuff is always in my brain. It's like let me just put it out there and see if anyone cares to have, what I have to say or not. But anyway, um, the one thing was, um, I guess build, going back to just real quick on draft because we'll talk about draft prep more. But um, I don't like building around a expecting stats from a single person you mentioned olsen and all that like yeah you draft an olsen type expecting something but i think with those guys like you but, can lock in the power i wasn't count i wasn't worried about the other four stats no i know I, I understand that but and as long as you build around knowing hey i'm okay cool i'm expecting because that's what you're building you're building around projections in general you're building around what you expectations right if you don't do projections you have expectations and i understand building around that but i hate hitching a category to a single person 
So that's where it's like I for me, I liked how I went about more of a balanced approach this year. And it left and I filled the needs through the waiver wire early on while there's still talent out there. You kind of start filling those needs, um, power, speed, whatever it might be. But I try not to hitch a category to a single single player because all it takes is one injury that and and it's the Mondesi rule basically right you don't draft that's why Mondesi because he was yeah, injured don't draft people, rabbits you don't so it's like same thing with power although Olsen was way more than just that but um and that's a bad example because I was still well, I think the reason I think if you, you can do power more because if you get the home runs you get runs in RBIs you're getting three yeah categories. you still get those three categories but like that's this year different. people who drafted P Alonso weren't expecting a 225 or 230 whoever he's been no so um that's why it's like if you draft these guys I rather draft first off. I'm with you. I rather draft the guys that are going to bat in the middle of the order, be power guys. You know what they're getting. I like that. That's fine. But don't ever assume the batting average is going to be there. And um, Olsen had it this year, but Alonzo didn't. And next year, Alonzo could easily have it back. Maybe you can get a discount Alonzo because of it. But if you just draft, if you're drafting based on the skill set, and you and I know you have to kind of bake in batting average because obviously Olsen's shown, uh, sorry, uh, Alonzo's shown to be a batting average guy. But I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where. You should never. I never bank on a power hitter to give me batting average, even if they've shown it to be a skill of theirs. Like Vlad has shown it, and then he kind of drops off ever, ever since that one career year. Was it 2020, of course, or 2020, 2019? The bouncy ball in Buffalo. I'm trying to remember, was it 2021? I'm trying to remember when it was. It doesn't matter. My point it's is, is, um, it was 21. Yeah, my point is, is that, um, if I can, I kind of look at players as a skill set thing, and I look at batting average as being rather random. I just try to mitigate my hazards to, to batting average. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like my big thing was um, just not hitching a certain category to a set for, to a player or two. So if I get Pilonzo and I got someone else for power, like that's not a way I want to go about it. I want I want I want Pilonzo or Olsen to be the main part of my power output, and then from there just build off of that core of power and make sure I hit my numbers, but not just hitching it all on one or two players, you know, because all it takes is an injury or, or an underperformance to unless you know. <laughs> I completely, I completely agree with what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Um, I got you. that's all. That, that was like that was kind of a, the main thing I wanted to just one, one last thing I want to touch on, and then we can move on to whatever you want to. Talk uh, about. I will say best. Matt Olson will be overdrafted next year. Yes, that's so what I, like, I think I think Olson switches roles with uh, Vlad on draft day, and like, Pete, I think that's. Well, I, think I don't think Pete, well, I don't think Pete's changing. I think Pete's going to be in that, that twenty to twenty five range. I think he's I think he's sticking around just because people look back to the two previous seasons. But again, that's a whole other discussion for another show. They'll see his bad and they'll they'll keep yeah, him up there. They'll keep him up. And like, the fact that he I, hits I think, the crap out of the ball and yeah. and East Coast bias, so he'll get his love. Plus, a third of the him. industry is a Mets fan. That's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. That's like when I draft out here for football. It's all Niners fans. It's freaking glorious. Get all my Dolphins for cheap. Um, Alrighty, let's just do a quickies here. We can go back and forth. Um, I'm just going to cover the weekend because by the time people listen to this, it'll probably already be Wednesday-ish. So we'll just cover the weekend series. I'm just going to go team by team. If a pitcher stands out as a guy you'd like to stream, like I'm not going to name them if they're going to be widely owned. I'm not crazy. And if you think the matchups dictate any hitters on the top of your brain that might fill the void, let me know. So Diamondbacks this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're at home against Houston. Would you stream Zach Davies on Sunday versus the Astros that might have the playoffs locked up? I'm saying no. <laughs> Unless your ERA and whip's far, like if you can't really move in the ERA and whip. Kerland. This is radio. You're muted. Genius. You're uh, muted. We can share the, uh, I brought it up there, the hitter streaming chart oh. if you wanted, because it has, well, I'd have to update it, but as of right now, this is what I have. 
for the uh this is for the patreon this is usually an exclusive but we'll share it for this part of the episode so if you're watching or listening maybe hop on there and you'll see all the fancy little colors and numbers so uh so you're on you, zach davies versus houston would you no no okay um <laughs> most arizona key bats are probably taken is there anybody that stands out at the top of your head you'd face for france brown and verlander verlander i'd be shocked if he even starts on sunday yeah that's why i said it has to be updated but um I'd say you're probably starting your typical guys here. I mean, you're again, volume and these guys, this is a pretty consistent lineup. Maybe Alec Thomas becomes a fun little stream because he gets his starts against uh, righties and there's three there. Maybe if you're desperate, you go that way. Cause he has a little pop, a little speed, you know, but that's like the only fringe. Otherwise you, you got your Tommy Fambridge, your Christian Walkers, the diamondbacks are kind of a set and forget lineup. You don't really get too cute. Like you see, I even wrote that consistent lineup. <laughs> so start the usual suspects. Like there's not really much to get into there. And as you mentioned, their best pitcher that weekend might not even pitch. So, yeah, I'd probably just – and this is a team chasing down a playoff spot still. So, All right, Atlanta. Uh, Allen Winans is scheduled for Saturday. It's still up in the air against Washington. Bryce Elder faces Washington. We all know my opinion on Bryce Elder. Uh, would either one of you guys start uh, – we'll start with you, Ben. Would you do Winans or Elder versus Washington? Probably not. I don't think – well, Winans have really impressed me. Um too much when he got called up. Let me look at his numbers. 433. He's got good K numbers. Um, I know Washington's always been underrated. I, I wouldn't – and Elder's been so bad lately. I mean, he doesn't get strikeouts. They don't strike out. I, I could see it being pretty bad. Um, Probably not for either one. Kerlin? Either. Unless I'm chasing wins because it's obviously – you're the part of the Braves. You know, you're chasing wins. Right. That's the only time I would. Like you mentioned, you got to throw caution to the wind sometimes when it comes to – uh. When it comes to the ratios, but if you don't, and look like right now, I have to update this because this isn't reflecting what you're saying, Bubba. So, yeah. but yeah, uh, it's, uh, Baltimore. Would any of you guys start John Means versus Boston on Friday? He was widely available in a lot of formats. I would just because I think you again you could chase wins there, and I think he could actually he's actually been pretty solid since his return. He's never been a strikeout guy. John Means is not going to get you strikeouts, but he can get you wins. He can be a ratio control guy. He can give you five innings, and they probably actually need to actually let him go because. Building him up, yeah, it's building him up from some giving him some innings because he's pitched so little. I think he's the type of guy that can give you five innings, and so yeah, John Means he was somebody I strongly considered going after just to get that one start out of him, get a start out of him this week, and hope for the best. It actually would have been a two start week for him, if, yeah, from what it looks like, right? Yep. No, it changed, it did he change. pitched over the weekend, so only one, that's start. right, but still, I'll take the um, I would take the one start against Boston. Why not? What about you, Ben? Yep, I started him in the main event, and there he is home too. So you don't have to worry about the Green Monster. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, like people look at his K numbers, but I mean, he's better than that. I, I could see him just getting off to a slow start coming back. So yeah, I heard I heard Jen Stead mention that. So I'm like, yeah, he's better than he's been lately. Like, let him keep getting loose. I think the strikeouts will come eventually. Um, Boston, any interest in Cutter Crawford at Baltimore on Saturday, Benton? Yeah, that seven, they... seven Ks and three straight starts. How many? Seven strikeouts and three straight starts. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he he was someone I was in on earlier in the year, and uh, I, I missed the train when he uh, was a thing again. But, yeah, I would start him. They, they could be um, – Baltimore should be resting guy. Yep. What about you, Curlin? Crawford versus Baltimore. <sighs> Baltimore is so good. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to test that. I feel like Baltimore constantly crushes. Uh, if I have – I mean, if I'm looking just to get those innings, those Ks, sure. Just because Crawford – We've seen him be good. Like he's been really good, but then it's like he's been inconsistent. I mean, what a couple starts back, 
five earned runs, six earned runs. Yeah, he's been on a decent run lately, three or less in his last three starts and runs wise. But that's against White Sox. Texas was good, but then the Yankees. So, um, uh, yeah, if I, in a pinch, I would. I wouldn't force it type of thing. I don't know. I, I, I'm with Ben, though. I actually dra- I, I streamed Cutter Crawford week one, and he ruined my life. So I dropped him and never looked <laughs> we back. We probably talked then... about that because I was pretty yeah. un- upset with that. <laughs> we probably did. And we both probably dropped him right after that. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. He was cut the next week. Uh, Milwaukee likely sitting people over the weekend. But Friday, Kyle Hendricks at Milwaukee Curland. Kyle Hendricks, I think you, I think Milwaukee's going to be sitting a lot of players, and Hendricks has been sneaky good. I think he's in that same talk of like John Means type, where he can get you this. You know, the Cubs are playing to win. Maybe they still need to win by then. Maybe, and even if they don't, they, why not let them go five innings? I think Hendricks is going to get you decent ratios and a potential for, a potential for win against a team that, especially by then, if the um, if the Brewers are like sitting their guys and all that. So I'm I'm, I'm good with it. What about you, Ben? You team Hendricks? I like wiped him from my mind after 2021. I never Dude, want to think he, about him again. But it's uh, been so quietly good. It's weird. I know it's it's annoying. Um, <laughs> Makes no sense. Uh, their lineup, the Brewers lineup. I don't know. Like you got, I if you need a win, yeah, why not? Yep. Uh, Cincinnati, Brandon Williamson in St. Louis on Saturday. Ben. Yeah, because they're kind of. Sitting like Arenado's after the yeah. year, and yeah, I, I, why not? He has Curland. some key potential. Curland, yeah, it's a team that's just broken, and like a lot of their best hitters against lefties are out. And Williamson is a lefty, I remember, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, I feel, yes, yes, I feel yes, pretty yes. good about that one. I said it confidently. I'm like, yeah, let me question myself there because, yeah, but uh, it's one of those things where over the, I'm just looking over the last 30 days. Teams that stand out. Let's see. WRC Plus last 30 days. St. Louis is 25th with a 77. So if you're looking in for a recent, I know it's a small sample last 30 days against lefties. Very small sample, but at the end of the day, it's what I'm I trying to give you like some recent. I use for DFS. Like, I just look at it like recent that's production. current lineup. It's what you got to worry about. So yeah, um, why not take a shot here? Cleveland, Cal Quantrill, Saturday at Detroit, Curland. I guess like it's the Detroit. Quantrill's been pretty good. At I know. So. I just hate the idea of buying into it. And I know it actually oh, comes I'm with, with you. I'm so and with you know, you. you mentioned it because it comes with, uh, you mentioned last show that last week that it comes with tangible change. And you know, I'm a sucker for that, right? Yep. So uh, you got to, I guess you got to go with it. I don't necessarily agree it's going to stick. I don't necessarily agree he's a thing next year, but Quantrill's a guy that you're rolling with as long as, I mean, last time he gave up more than two earned runs in an outing was prior to his return. He's given, yep. he's, he's pitched. In his last five outings, he's gone at least 5.2 innings or more in four out of five, and he hasn't given up more than two earned runs in any outing. So Quantrill getting the Tigers, you hope for five and a win. Yep. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I think I may have started him on a team, um, but I definitely went against the Tigers. He was definitely on my waterfalls this week. I was definitely looking at him if I – in case of emergency, break glass. Uh, We're going to – we're just going to go past Colorado. I think we're all good with that. Um, White Sox, most of those guys are rostered. I'm not going to make you guys answer. Jose Urania, uh, Detroit, those guys are pretty much all. Reese Olsen better be rostered pretty heavily by now. Um, Houston, those guys are all pretty much rostered. Kansas City, this is a fun one because I added him in a few leagues. Alec Marsh going up against the strikeout happy Yankees on Saturday in Kauffman Stadium. Ben, are you taking on Marsh versus your boys? I am. I think I have him on two teams that I'm starting, at least one. 
I know, no, I, have, I know I have at least one too. That's why. Yeah, I, he uh, he's gotten three. He's gotten wins in his last three outings, so um, it's working what they're doing with him. Yeah, he's been piggybacking a lot. That's why they say he's starting here. But I wouldn't be shocked if he piggybacks even that. And the strikeouts are pretty legit. So I'm a fan there. What about you, Curlin? You want Alex Alec Marsh versus the Yankees? If I'm chasing wins, I guess because of how they're utilizing them. But the last two outings, you know, three and runs in each. And I know it's the Yankees though, so I think you're doing it, but you're not. Like over, I, I'm not over optimistic. I don't know about you guys. And it's funny because yeah. he has three wins on the year, and all three have all come the last, three, the last three starts. Here's so. their lineup tonight. Let me. It's like it's Yankees disgusting. It's let me. I saw it. Come oh, the Yankees. Like, Yankees are left. atrocious. Yeah, it's atrocious. Austin awesome. Wells is batting third. Stanton fourth. Kind of fluff a fifth. Oswaldo Cabrera six. Hey, Oswaldo Cabrera has been decent. Okay, it just took yeah. him all year. Been decent. Um, took them all judge, year to get judge there. might not eat. Judge and Stan might have a weekend off. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Like why? Why even put it. them in the field this weekend? Uh, like, you give them that, that the hat tip farewell. Maybe a couple of it's bats. Not, it's on the road. It's on the road. Oh, I didn't realize it was on the it's road. In, yeah, it's in no, Kansas City. Stupid. Who cares? Yeah, like, yes, I saw a tweet. It was uh, dressed like a seat day yesterday at the stadium because yeah. it was just all seats. And they announced like... the, they announced the paid attendance was forty one thousand because everyone bought the tickets before the rain out. <laughs> and then there was no one in the stands. Amazing, it was, it was so good. Uh, Angels have Chase Silseth projected to start. I, I'm not gonna, that's not even a question. If he's available, folks, he gets open. Just pick him up. Um, we'll go to uh, Miami's good. Milwaukee's good. I did stream Adrian Hauser, but I talked a lot about that already. Minnesota's got Bailey Ober at Colorado on Sunday. You guys interested in Bailey Ober in Coors Field on Sunday? Curlin. I know the whole Coors hasn't been so bad thing, but I feel like Ober's the type of guy that maybe Ober can actually get by it just because he's such a control and finesse pitcher. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll go with it, but it's Coors, man. I don't know. (laughs) Like, he's been better lately, too. So, yeah, I'm probably riding it out. I'm not I'm probably yeah. writing it out, but I'm not excited. Just oh, I, I'd rather have him over Alec Marsh, maybe, but not, actually maybe not because Marsh gets like we, we just mm-hmm. talked about why. But kind of, I, I feel like they're in that same conversation of like, all right, I'm gonna do this because it looks like it makes sense, but I'm kind of not confident. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Yeah, so he's starting. I started him in my DC where I have him, but in my daily league, I'm gonna wait to see how ratios look before I start him. Smart move. Smart move. <laughs> Um, on Sunday, the Mets play Philadelphia in New York, and Jose Budo takes the mound. And I've probably been mispronouncing his name all season, but um, Philadelphia likely sitting people because they should have it locked up by then. And Budo's been actually pretty good uh, over like the last month or so. So, um, Ben, would you start him against a potentially depleted Philadelphia team on Sunday? Oh, I wouldn't want to, but I could see why you would. To your point, they're probably going to sit their starters that day, so it could be an easy lineup to face. Kerland. I mean, if we're talking daily daily stuff here, because obviously you had to make that's this all we're talking. Right we're now. talking daily because yeah. this is all been locked up. <laughs> yeah, it's already locked. Um, yeah, at that point, it's really going to be lineup dependent. I, I know he's been fun to watch, but he came back down to earth. Budo did last start, so against these Phillies, so they're going to see him back to back starts, which is never an ideal situation. So it really, it's dependent on the lineup that's being trotted out and um, i'm leaning no right now but it'll it really does depend on the lineup being trotted out okay curlin listen carefully here because i'm going to mention three names at once um you're asking the, oakland, the oakland athletics play at the angels waldachuk boyle and sears are pitching this weekend curlin would you start any of the three because i'm tempted to say you could probably start all three <laughs> um sadly you can um yeah. i guess 
I'm trying to think who might be the most interesting of them. If Wall I had to pick just Wall one, the Wall the Truck has to probably really be that. Good. Sears really has been good. decent to have last three outings, five innings. Five, he's gone for at least five innings last three out. Oh, sorry, last, last six outings he's gone at least five innings. Sears has, and Sears has given up two runs or less in five of those outings. So I think Sears is also equally interesting as long as JP. We're getting a good JP Sears again, including three wins over the span. So uh, Sears, Wall the Chuck. Boyle. I don't know about Boyle. Are we doing Boyle? He, he pitched well in his last night, and I just don't know what to expect from him. But 24-year-old, some solid strikeout rates in the minors, only nine innings in the two in two starts. So yeah, that's the concern. How, but it was six innings his last outing. Yeah. So there's that. What about, um, what about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, I think I think you start all three. Sorry, long-winded way of saying it. I think you're starting all three. Ben, how do you look at these three guys? Yeah, I'm looking at the Angels lineup, and like they have some names in there still. So I mean, it's, it's not like they're completely awful. Um, uh, names like <laughs> names is being generous. I, I, I am being very generous. Um, I think they're generated by like uh, creative player. Yeah, <laughs> they've played in the majors before. Uh, yeah, Joe Adele. Hey, Joe Adele. You I'm know? biased against Sears. I had him in the main event, and the three times I started him, he was awful. Now he's been good when I haven't been starting <laughs> so him, so good. it's kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, Walter Chuck, he's solid. Uh, the uh, Joe Boyle. I mean, he is. He's probably due to give up a run, but it's only one more start. So he, who says he doesn't give up a run? So, um, yeah, why not? They'll, they'll probably. I mean, they're not guaranteed to win, obviously, because it's it's the it's eighth, the eighth, six hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Phillies, they're all pretty much taken because if you're not rostering Christopher Sanchez by now, you're doing it wrong. Um, Pittsburgh, yeah, we're gonna pass on that. San Diego's pretty much taken care of. Snell will lock up the Cy Young on Sunday. Don't pitch your Giants. I think Nick um, Martinez had a good matchup, right? He might not be uh That's true. Rusted. Nick Martinez at the White Sox is a great matchup. Good call, I have ben. a question. I assume that means you're starting him, Ben. I, I have a question. Yeah, I, he, I, I was looking at him from when I was looking for starters for this weekend at NFC. Perfect. What's your question, Curlin? Enlighten a, me. A high-end a high name, Justin Steele. Pitches take against Atlanta. Um, so obviously, if he goes the two starts, he'll get that Sunday start against Milwaukee, which is – that's an easy oh, that's call. That's an awesome start. That's why you but, start him. That's why you start him and cross your fingers today. But you, you cross your fingers, they get that start. <laughs> no, he, he will. Well, if the Cubs lock uh, it up, yeah. he won't. That's, that's a good um, point. That's what I'm saying. Um, Ay, and last wrong. time we faced Atlanta, last time we faced Atlanta, it wasn't great. And we know Steele's coming off a couple bad starts here now. Too. Well, and I saw I saw that someone put out a tweet today that the man that gives up like the fewest home runs in baseball faces the team that hits the most home runs in baseball. Something's got to give. Well, last time he last so last time he faced Atlanta, four walks, seven Ks, and five and a third. Hey, Curlin, I just want to know how your brain. Run. I just want to know how your brain works because we're going alphabetical. We're in the S's. The Cubs, Justin Steele thing just hit you now. I wasn't realizing you were going alphabetical. I was just, I just looked. I know that, Curlin. Come on. And on top of that, it's my brain. Do we really question how it works anymore? Because I, still question I, I, I know, it, I know it's, it's your brain. brain. I had to ask him. Like, I looked at the sheet. Like, wait a minute. We have like four teams left. You just thought of that? Well, because you meant. I, I think I was just. I was looking. I was looking at my sheet, and I, I saw steel. I was like, oh, steel. That's right. You, tough, Carlin, tough question. Part no, no. Of the game, part of the feel, game we play here. <laughs> feel free to. I'm just. I, if if anybody can figure out but how my brain works, the point. The point Curlin's making is he might not get the start. So do you risk the start versus Atlanta? That's a great. Question. I think I'm going that to. Actually, is a very good question. I have him. I have him in right now. Um, I'm think I'm going to hold him. I think I'm going to keep him in the lineup, but I'm not confident because. And he looked good last outing until he got six straight singles in the fourth inning. He went six. He went six Ks through three scoreless, and then six straight singles. And the problem is, is with his stuff. You know, if he's not, if he's off a little bit or the location's not there, this is the wrong team. Still, I'm talking about Justin Steele here. This is the wrong team to be missing be your spots. 
And, I think uh, you start you start your aces like we talk about. You uh, you know, we said the same thing when Wheeler was facing him last week and Wheeler dealt. Yeah, but um, Steels. I know Steels. I I get it. I'm just saying, like, if you don't start him now, then you probably should have sat him a lot of other starts this year. Hey, Nolan Jones just hit a home run, by the way. <sighs> He's my hero. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there to distract Curlin for a second. All right, well, back to I'm our, back to our regulars. You, if, if if I win my main, I'm buying a yeah. frame jersey and signature, and I'm like it's getting framed, put on the wall, and he's my MVP, dude. He's ridiculous. Like I All need, right. I actually, back. I I DM'd him asking, is there a way I could just pay him instead of buy it from a freaking dealer? Oh, I did. It's totally DM'd awesome. him. Didn't care. All right, back to our regular scheduling program. Um, <laughs> Tampa Bay. Anybody starting Zach Lytle or Taj Bradley at Toronto this weekend? Uh, at Toronto, uh, definitely. Well, I, I think he's well, he's doing, see, he's done well enough to earn it. I'm with you. I want to know if how light. Lytle's been I, very good. He, no, he I know, but out, last out, last out. last outing, he had a blister. They like sat there and super glued his finger, and he got by. But he's also facing Toronto for the second straight start. One of those back to back starts against the same team. I know Toronto's like hit and miss in the lineup. I think you have to go with him, just like you mentioned. He's earned it, and he's going to. I think they're still playing for um home. Field Toronto, Toronto's trying to get one of the top wild card spots. But I'm talking about I'm talking about um oh, yeah, Tampa Bay. The, the Orioles haven't yeah, yeah they're, they, they're still they, fighting. Yeah. They both the, like locked up a postseason berth, but they haven't locked up the AL East yet. I think so, the Orioles yeah. have like a two game lead or something like that. So yeah, that's why we have to um see where that's happening. I think I think like you mentioned, I think Lytle is going to be the guy you start. But just be mindful that last game they did. I actually posted the video. They sat there and super glued his finger. I guess maybe a blister came undone, or he just had a small cut on his finger on his on his pitching thumb. And I did watch, and he was still able to navigate through the innings. He did lose some control and command, which makes sense if your thumb is injured. So just keep that in mind. Um, he might be a little – if he's a little off, that could be why. But he managed to get through the last start with it, so maybe it's not – maybe I'm overblowing the potential for a blow up there. I just – at the end of the day, though, I think you're going with Lytle. Um, Taj has looked better lately, right? Hasn't he? I'll look it up. I he, got, he got beat up his last time. Did he? I don't know. I feel like Taj is – yeah, command, he did. Command, it's command with Taj, man. So, yeah, Taj – yeah. for Taj. It was, it was right. okay. It was the Angels. It was the Angels that he pitched well against. Of course it was. I was like, yes. oh, my God, no, he just had a good start. Oh, that goes back to That goes back to the Oakland A's conversation. Oh, the, the Guardians. <laughs> like, two hours – like, his last five starts, two of them have been solid. You look, it's been the, it's been the Angels and the Guardians. It makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm not starting Taj. I'm not. Like, it's – it's, it's, I think next. I think he's going to be a great guy to buy next year after in draft season for sure. Though. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ben. I'm with stressful. Ben. You start Lytle, otherwise you walk away. Rangers mm-hmm. are good to go. Bradford maybe depends on the whole Seattle situation, but I'd probably pass. Toronto's guys, you should be rostered already. And then the Nationals versus the Braves. I don't care what backups the Braves play. I'm probably still avoiding that situation because they still have to play enough guys to fill out their roster that'll probably take you deep. So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we had no listener questions. So we're going to go to final thoughts here. Ben, any final thoughts as the season is coming to an end, the final week, anything as before we sign on out of another episode of Bench with Bubba? No, it's been a great year, Bubba. It's, it was nice to – I feel like this was inevitable, me and Mike being on the same show. So this yeah. was good for it to be the last week. Uh, and um, like I said, every time I've been on, thanks for having me guests for a few times this year. It's been a blast and yep. feel honored to do so and uh, hopefully continues in the offseason. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, so uh, everyone uh, make those smart lineup decisions because it's the last thing you're going to do this year. Yes, most definitely. Curland, I know you always have a lot of thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts on this show? 
This guy is amazing. I love him forever. Nolan Jones. Sorry, that's why I just tweeted because that's my final thought. That's all I care about. I was about. like, no, he's not I... talking about me. That's for dark. No, 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 I, I hate Jeez, you. Mike. I, it's, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Ben here. No, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, Bubba, it's been a blast. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to fill in the best I can for Toby. I try to bring that that side of analysis to this to the podcast. I know I kind of fit in the middle of like you and Toby, kind of like half caveman, half analytics. So I think that's good. And I think Ben's like a great third person because he's more analytics than me. So it's like boom, boom, boom. But uh, in all seriousness, it's been a lot of fun, man. And um, I look forward to keeping it going. And if Toby wants to come back, he can. Ha- the spot's always open. I'm always keeping the seat warm for Toby. He knows, he knows that. He knows as that. As long as he knows that. As long as everyone happy. realizes, like, he's I happy. know that. He's happy enjoying free time. We all wish we did. Like, so he's living life. And Isn't he also himself. succeeding as a player in the process of enjoying? Yeah, he, he was doing that when he did podcasts with me anyway. So I know, but now, now he gets to do he gets I, to do that. I used to think well. it was me helping him out, but of course it wasn't. So <laughs> no, it's kidding. one of those things where uh, he, he it's, the, it's like he's getting his, he's eating he's getting his cake and eating it too type of thing. He yes. gets to spend more time at home while also still being competitive. I hate you for being perfect, Toby. But I do miss, <laughs> I do miss the dessert talk though. So if uh, he yeah. needs to bring those more of those back to Twitter. But maybe he does, and I just don't see it because you know the whole you have to pay for Twitter impressions. It's ridiculous. But I mean, I fell for the trap. I, I you know, I'm guilty. But anyway, okay. it's a whole other okay. discussion. But all right, we will wrap it up there. There'll be more curling rants throughout the off season. Ben will oh, be yeah. back as well. There'll be tons of fun stuff. 2024 will be here before we know it. Wait, we're already drafting. So, and the NPC opens up lobby sooner and sooner, and we'll do gladiators and all the fun stuff. But. Hope you guys all have a great final week of the season. Good luck if you're still in competition. Some of you are smart enough to end your season already. Congratulations to those that succeeded. But for now, you can check out Ben on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I am at BD Entrick. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 607. Hope you all have a good one. way to win up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.